It is a joy to be with you this morning, and I want to thank Alec and the session for inviting me uh, to be your preacher this morning. I really also want to thank the entire congregation for all of your stalwart and consistent support of the Presbyterian Outlook. Uh, We couldn't do what we do without you. And also, just a point of personal privilege, it is uh, a gift to be back in this space. My husband and I used to worship here when I was in seminary uh, a lot of years ago now, and in fact... um, Grant and I were married in the chapel um, of this church about 28 plus years ago. So I asked him if he remembered the space, if it was familiar, and he said, oh, sort of. So, uh, <laughs> I called him out right here in church. Uh, let us hear our gospel lesson this morning. It is from Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten leopards approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Imagine for a moment being ostracized and isolated, forced to cry unclean wherever you went, commanded to make visible through your clothing and your hair your already physically evident and painful condition. The writer of Luke says they kept their distance. Those ten with leprosy didn't dare get close to Jesus. They called out to him from a distance. And Jesus, traveling to Jerusalem between Samaria, that place with those people who refused to welcome him, and Galilee, that region where so much of his ministry takes place, Jesus hears them, even from a distance. Even in that liminal space, with those still far off, headed to his divinely ordained purpose, Jesus hears those on the fringes of this world. He hears them and he responds with compassion. Jesus will not let his ultimate, utterly critical, earth-shattering, world-saving purpose thwart him from tending to those who are in proximity to him all along the way. Have you noticed in the gospel how Jesus is always getting interrupted? Have you noticed that? He's making his way and he gets interrupted. All of a sudden, somebody lunges at the hem of his garment And this is when he's on the way to save a little girl. His interruptions get interrupted. He tries to go off and pray, right? Time and time again. He just wants to go up on the mountain and pray. And what happens? 
The disciples track him down. Needy people track him down. He is forever getting interrupted. He attempts to teach, and even though there isn't an inch of space around him, some very persistent people, they dig a hole in the roof, and they let down their ailing friend time and time again. No matter what he is doing, Jesus stops. And he tends to those the world so often ignores and overlooks and writes off. Jesus hears and he sees and he cares for those on the margins of our world. He cares for the outside outsiders like Samaritan lepers. He unquestionably, time and time again, shows those long ostracized and isolated and demonized and discarded that they are regarded, that they are beloved, that they are worthy of the world's attention and they are worthy of God's attention. My friends, if this is how Jesus on the way to Jerusalem responds, how much more ought we hear and respond to those who are calling out for mercy from a distance right now in our world? Those ten in that liminal space, geographically and socially, they were relegated to an existence of mere survival and not abundant life, and Jesus wouldn't stand for it. And neither should we. When we come into proximity with the divine, our cultural norms should be transformed. All of those revered religious rules, they ought to be upended. There should be a great reversal of all we thought was inevitable for us and for others. So powerful is proximity to the Son of Man that Jesus need only send those ten to the priest to show off their yet-to-be-cleansed state, and they are healed. Do we imagine that being close to Jesus has that kind of power? I think those ten deserve some credit, frankly, for having faith and hope and trust given their long-suffering and their perpetual exile. Despite their status and their experience, you know what they do? They take Jesus at his word, and they do what he says, even from a distance. How often do we do likewise? How often do we simply take Jesus at his word and do what he says? How often do I risk anything, let alone everything, for the sake of the gospel? When have I sold my possessions, given the money to the poor, and followed him? How am I really heeding his word and welcoming the children? Do I take Jesus at his word and visit those who are in prison? Do I pray for my enemies? Do I seek the welfare of all who are in this city? 
Do I tend and feed Christ's sheep? Do I imagine, do I imagine that if I had the faith the size of a mustard seed, I could move mountains? Do I really think that through Christ all things are possible? Do I believe through Christ something is possible? Somehow those ten from a distance, they understood something about Jesus that I, a self-proclaimed follower, too often fail to see. They understood the life-altering power of responding to Christ's word unequivocally and with faith. And if they who are far off take Jesus at his word, how much more ought we who are in this space in such proximity as to be part of his body, the church, how much more should we do likewise? Just imagine for a moment if we responded like those ten, even occasionally. What if at the end of our worship, at the end of our Bible studies, we made a commitment to one another and said, you know, we're going to actually try and do exactly what Jesus says. I've shared with some of you a quote from Will Willimon that I keep close and try and remember when I read Scripture. It's this. Willimon says, How would God have me to change in order to make this text believable? Jesus says, The last will be first and the first will be last. How would God have me to change in order to make this text believable? Jesus says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. How would God have me to change to make this text believable? Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and life abundant. How would God have me to change in order to make this text believable? Jesus says, forgive seven times, 70 times. Oh, Lord, how would God have me to change to make this text believable? Blessed are the poor and the hungry and those who mourn, Jesus says. How would God have us to change in order to make that text believable? How do we respond to Jesus' word like the ten of this text? Because somehow, some way, those ten on the edges of society with no reason in the world to trust the power and willingness of Jesus to heal, they believed. They took him at his word and they went. Even the Samaritan, who had no obligation at all to go to a Jewish priest, he did exactly as Jesus commanded. If I ask myself, how would God have me to change in order to make this text believable? The first thing I need to do is remember. I need to remember that when I was at a distance, so far off 
Jesus came near to me. He heard me. He saw me. He healed me. He saved me through no merit of my own. If this text is to be believable, I have to stop. I have to turn back. I need to get close to Jesus and worship him in order to be well. Not just aware of being cleansed, but astounded at being saved. I need the power of being in proximity to Jesus Christ, not occasionally, but every single moment of every single day. If this text is to be believable, I have to get close to Jesus Christ in order to be near to those he seeks out. I need to be in such proximity to the power of God that I witness the transformation that it brings to people and communities and to me again and again and again. I can't just go to the temple and do the required religious rituals and get on with my life. I need to follow Jesus closely in order to experience abundant life. Somehow that outside outsider, that Samaritan leper, he understood that. And when I remember, I do too. When I remember all that Jesus has done for me, when I remember what it was like to be an isolated fourth grader in a new country, and the only place that felt vaguely like home was the church, I remember, and I have to turn back and get close to Jesus again. When I remember those seasons in my life when grief threatened to consume me, but somehow the peace of Christ found me, I have to turn back and praise God. When I remember those times when I felt nothing more than the sum of my mistakes, but Jesus forgave me, I cannot help but turn back and sit at his feet and worship him. When I remember those times in my life when I wondered if the hurt I'd inflicted on those I care about the most could ever, ever, ever be used for good. But the love of God found a way and made a plan for the future and gave us hope. I cannot help but stop and run back to the one who showed me mercy when I had fallen so far from grace. The mercy of the Lord compels proximity to the one who gives it. And when I remember when I recognize the source of my salvation, I cannot help but stop and turn around and give God the thanks. 
Brian Stevenson is founder of the Equal Justice Initiative. And he writes and speaks a lot about the power of proximity to change our perspective and to alter long entrenched narratives and to enable us to work for change. He reminds us that we cannot participate in transformation from a distance. And following Jesus gets us close to people, especially those pushed farthest away from the centers of power and privilege. This proximity is inconvenient and it is uncomfortable, Stevenson says. But for those of us who've been found by that constantly interrupted, always upsetting those in power, crucified Savior, this should not be a surprise to us. In fact, if we are too comfortable, we can be sure that we are one of the nine who were blessed but never turned back. Stevenson, in his book, Just Mercy, writes this. The power of just mercy is that it belongs to the undeserving. It's when mercy is least expected that it's most potent strong enough to break the cycle of victimization and victimhood, retribution and suffering. Mercy. Potent enough to bring us to the feet of the one who saves us, drawing us close with him to all those crying out from a distance for mercy. Breaking this cycle of fear and estrangement and bringing forth a revolution of reconciliation. That's the power of being in proximity to God and neighbors that comes when we remember and we recognize what Jesus has done for us. And we turn back and we worship and we get sent out to do his work. When I remember... When I remember all that Jesus has done for me. When I see that even I've been cleansed and restored and redeemed and loved, I want to turn back. I want to get close enough to Jesus to be united with every tribe and nation. Israelites and Babylonians, Samaritans, Gentiles, Jews, tax collectors, and sinners, because I know our welfare is all wrapped up together, and each and every one of us belong to God. Not just in heaven, but right now in our earthly cities. Suffering over, rejoicing inevitable, Transformative mercy extended to all. That's the power of being in proximity to Jesus Christ, God with us, the kingdom of heaven, oh so near. This text, this truth, will not only be believable, it'll be undeniable when we remember and we turn back. 
and we worship and we follow Jesus all the way to Jerusalem, stopping again and again to show mercy all along the way. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you that while we were still far off, you heard us, you saw us, you healed us, and you loved us. Help us, Lord, to stay close to you so that we can be close to one another through you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.